Welcome to Amplify, a podcast that gives marginalized communities and diverse people a platform to share their story and reclaim their narrative. Welcome back to Amplify. My name is Samar Al-Khudiri and I am the host of this podcast. Today we are interviewing Hussein Abubekir. Salam, Hussein, how are you doing? Genuinely, like, how are you doing? How's life? How have you been feeling, like, emotionally these past couple of weeks, especially with all these events that have escalated for Black Muslims and the Black community in general? Uh, um, SubhanAllah, I actually felt very, uh, you know, I've been feeling very emotional and frustrated on what has been happening, especially within our community. I really thought, you know, we, you know, we, we could do better for our African-American community to make them feel inclusive in our community and to reach them out in times like this, not only in times like this, but to to do it outside of such, you know, event, to continue to, you know, connect with them based on what we are taught in our faith, that we see, we should see every human being equally, and we should take care of those who are in need, those who are being oppressed as well. So can you elaborate a little bit on what you would have liked to see or what you would have hoped they would have done even before all these escalation of events? Like, do you have suggestions of what they can do to start and like what you wish you could have seen them do see honestly speaking i did not know so i knew so for example when we have our african-american community or members they come to the masjid they pray normally so me personally from personally speaking i would approach them and speak to them so i had that assumption that you know everybody would do that to them as well like they just you know embrace them no matter what but then when this event came and you know when i found out that they felt isolated that they were not felt welcome and and i felt guilty myself for not you know trying to understand that better and trying to understand the history and the ongoing problem that the systemic racism that's happening and feel guilt for not recognize that and if i were to recognize that i would actually try to make sure to help them to be more engaged in the community part of be part of the planning of the the mosque whatever activity takes place i would make sure you know they would have been included and then once actually the action item that i've taken so far is that i'm in the internal development committee so where we actually trying to work on you know bring different speakers to our community and and trying to help you know revive the faith of our community and to you know, educate our community. So the action step that myself and 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 the, uh, my co-chair Amani Omawi that we are actually planning to have one of uh, a representative from African American into our community. So that way they will be part of it, and anything that we any plan that we have, they will be included in it, and then they will take part. And then the the goal is that to have an event, to have an activity, for example, to like invite a guest speaker who's African American to to educate our community about black history and then bring different scholars to enable us to appreciate you know the, the opportunity that we had here when we came here the, how african-americans made so many sacrifices and paved the path for us to come here and be where we are yeah i totally agree with everything that you're saying and i feel like we need to backtrack a little bit i feel like we didn't introduce you so if you want to talk a little bit about 
who, who you are and then we can kind of pivot back into the conversation a little bit. I feel like we forgot to do that just so people know a little bit more about you and your background a little bit. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, my name is Hussaina Ubekar. I'm originally from Eritrea, which is located in East Africa. So I came to the United States about 12 years ago in 2009. So when I came, I lived in Virginia for about four years and I moved to Kentucky to, for education. So I went trade programs and finished from a community college. So while I was there, I actually started working in the hospital and I decided to stay in the area. So I lived in Kentucky for about five years and I was coming back and forth to Evansville community. So I decided to actually be close to the Muslim community. So I moved to Evansville last year and I started, you know, of course, I've been involved while I was living in Kentucky. I was involved in different committee within the Islamic Society of Evansville. So right now I actually serve, uh, you know, in the board of directors as a member and also in the internal development committee as a co-chair. In my background, in terms of work, I have been doing a project management in IT and healthcare industry. I know we are talking about how you want to get people, more African Americans involved in the Mejid and in the Muslim community and really get their input and involvement. So you said you're from East Africa, you're from Eritrea. So yeah. do you feel like your experiences align with like Black Muslims that grew up in America versus your experiences being Black African? So absolutely. They didn't align 100%. And the reason, you know, being for that is that I grew up in Africa and East Africa. So I had history, right, back home. Of course, back home, my country, Eritrea, is we don't have a perfect leadership and we have a, a dictator government. So people are oppressed up there, right? So I came here for a better opportunity, right? So when I came here for a better opportunity, so I came, you know, with termination. I just, you know, when I came, I just went to school. I had my family already established here. So I would say I found things easier here versus an African-American or who was born Muslim, who was a convert. They have history here. They live with it every single day. That's why I feel sometimes, you know, a bit guilty about it because, you know, and that's why I would try to take as many steps as I can, you know, to, to help them, my African-American. American brothers and sisters, you know, to tackle this racism. So whenever encounter, because, you know, like I said, this is very systematic. This happened to their ancestor while they were here. So it, they grew up with it. You know, like, as I mentioned, my, the difference is that I left my history back home. So I came to a better country that was actually, you know, that was better because of our African-American ancestors that actually decades ago that established the life for us, the life to immigrate here. So I think it definitely we have a slightly different, you know, background. So, and that's what I feel that the obligation for me to step in trying to help, you know, try to understand it even better. To me, I wasn't educated enough. I still continue to educate myself on into the history of African American. And that's one of the steps that I take for myself to educate myself and try to understand what they've been through and then try and find a way to help them. And that's one of the things that I've always constantly think about and that's something that I always try to do in order to help. So, basically, like you're saying that your guys' histories are very different. You are more adapted into their history while they've grown up in this history. But do you think, like you feel that way, but do you feel like people that see you here, they do they understand those differences? Because your skin color, people won't know whether you're African, like you're from East Africa or West Africa, or if you were African American born in the state. Do you feel like you've adapted into that system and have carried on some of the struggles that African-Americans face daily just because of your skin color, because people are not going to know it unless they start talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. I've certainly faced that. And what I shared earlier was my personal, you know, 
you know, view and how I felt when I came here between African American and then myself, you know, what different, what makes us different. But in terms of generally speaking, yes, and I have the same skin color. I did have my fair share of, uh, you know, discrimination at workplace, you know. And so when I came in, of course, when I came, I just felt it. Somebody saw me, Cajun or anybody, they would just consider me, you know, of course, African American, just like pretty much everyone, every other African American. And so for, for me, my experience with uh, racism workplace, it was very subtle because I've always growing up. I learned that I just didn't learn any color. You know, like, you know, I only learned that we all are human beings and regardless of our skin color. That wasn't in my mind. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, you know, this person's white and must be better than this person. No, I was I was brought up and I've always had the mindset of, you know, seeing everybody equally outside the skin color. So that was, you know, that's how I went in in the workplace. But then all the racism and those discrimination, they were happening subtly and I couldn't realize that I was just trying to find, how do you say it, like a justification to say, oh no, they're not being racist. They probably feel threatened because of my skill set that I bring to workplace, right? So perfect example to give you is that, so when I was hired, uh, I was new employee. So I was supposed to get orientation and get educated on the role that I would be, you know, assuming it would be, you know, to work on. Person, you know, actually was two people that did not, actually did not educate me. They were not doing their best to teach me every single thing that I need to know. Rather, they would actually try to give me tasks that are small and minor and I wasn't learning what I was actually hired for right so I was fighting for that myself I was determined I, was, I said I'm not gonna you know feel a victim of this I need to fight it so alhamdulillah I, you know I had to prove I had to work so hard to prove that you know, I can do it and I can learn those things that shouldn't happen I, I would say if, if I remember there were others that was hired after me they actually had they were educated fine they were they had the proper orientation stuff like that so I really I made this realization later on later on in my life I was like oh wow I look back and think about all those things I was like subhanAllah I did not really realize it was actually very subtle discrimination that was happening but so yeah so those are the things so of course when so you know you were mentioned earlier about when I drive when I go to crowded of course I would because of especially the recent event that happened I've always I'm always self-conscious of I start thinking of what happened to George Floyd and how African America have been been viewed uh, because of you know because of their skin color. So I've always now I start feeling that more and more, especially in the recent years. No, you you were talking about George Floyd, and I know about the recent events of Breonna Taylor, Ahmed Arbery, and there's so many others from within the years and even recently so can you like when you hear this news how do you feel like what does it feel like to you because of course everybody's going to feel heartbroken over these events but because of the way that they persisted in the way that it happened in regards to because of their skin color and because of the police brutality how do you feel does it make you more fearful or what's your overall feelings about everything honestly i was dev- very devastated i was really like torn inside because of what was happening when seeing the images and it's just i couldn't even finish watching the video but you know george floyd it was just you know it was so horrifying for me you know i wasn't i was furious and 
first thing they had in mind was pretty much, you know, how can this be changed? You know, this has to change. And then I, you know, our faith teaches us to only feel Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those are just, you know, the creation. So and he want, Allah wants us to be part of the solution as well. So I'm, dev, you know, certainly devastated by, you know, seeing what I saw. And of course, you know, like I mentioned earlier, when I go to public, you know, places and those things comes, comes up in my mind, I've always, you know, kind of start wondering, like, I can't believe that, you know, we live in a century where still, you know, certain people feel like they're superior and others are not, you know. And so those are the things that I've always think about. So I've always, of course, I'm not fearful of anything except Allah. So my goal is that to take this step and to whatever ability that I have to be able to use that to help make the change at the community level, at the national level. Uh, speaking of at the community level, we actually had recently a meeting. We had a board director meeting. We, you know, we proposed a solution. Actually, Kulsun proposed a solution as well about supporting, you know, through financially. And then we actually now have created a, a committee, African-American committee, that would actually be tasked to work on trying to make sure that our Muslim African-American members are, you know, are felt, you know, included and, and felt that they are part of the community. And we are, we just started, so we are coming up with different idea. And of course, in that committee, we are planning on having African-American as well. Uh, to make sure that they, you know, they are part of committee and to make sure that they actually, you know, their voice are heard in that community and they change and then impact our community in a positive way. I think that's a, a good starting point to be able to include them more in Muslim spaces for sure. I know you mentioned some terms before I forget that some people may not be aware or refer to certain people. So I just want to give them a little bit background. So in Islam, like the word for God is Allah. So that's what he was referring to. And then he was referring to one of our friends from the Muslim community. Her name is Kulsum. And one of the initiatives that she proposed to the executive board at our local mosque here in Indiana. So I just wanted to preface that because I know some people will be listening that don't know either of those things. So I just wanted to preface that just so people knew what it was. And so do you feel like right now, you were mentioning that forming this committee for African Americans, do you feel like as a Black African that you're well represented represented in our local mosque or other mosques that you have been a part of, like more so than Black Muslims who grew up in the States and who either converted or were already Muslim to begin with? Do you feel like there's a difference and treatment or yeah like difference in treatment or inclusion of your thoughts and all of that yeah absolutely there's a different treatment and i've seen it in the previous mosque that i was involved in as well as the mosque that we have now in our community you know i've seen it, the treatment alhamdulillah so far and praise be to god that you know i just didn't face any discrimination directly i'm an outgoing person i'm very social socialize with everyone so for me personally i did not face any you know sort of discrimination whatsoever alhamdulillah everybody has been very respectful however that i've seen how african or african-american you know community or muslim members uh, you know that was born here or convert that they've been treated differently and i guess maybe not intentionally it was probably my 
unintentionally they come and I, you know they, they feel you know stranger and i've actually reached out uh, someone recently to talk about what just happened you know like what were the things that are, you know that he's going through uh, in the community and he explained to me and i was actually shocked on you know on what the things that they go through and he said that hussein what i just told you what you know how we feel how we feel we feel isolated is that it's only like it's not only one of us every one of us feels the same way and and he said that we are for that reason because of how we didn't feel included in the community we are actually some of us are some of them actually moved from Odinsville to a different city and then some of us stopped coming and that's true and I have seen I have not been seeing them coming to pray at the masjid so those were the things that was, I found very frustrating so to me I don't think I would do I would say I, I can represent them right I would certainly need someone from them who actually are going through that experience and and we you know we, and we so that we can understand it better you know I can because I don't know their story much and you know just learning their story a little bit that base you know made me feel guilty as well so that's why i want to take that step to have them on board and kind of share we hear their story get educated everyone in our community be educated and certainly we would definitely need a representative from our african american who are born here as a muslim or convert and that's so very sad that like people felt the need that they weren't finding the inclusion they need. So they had to move to other communities to find that. And so that really, we really need to look within ourselves to see what we can do better. So so did any of the people mention any specifics of, I guess, what in our community was making them feel isolated and maybe suggestions? I know you guys are forming that African-American committee and I, I was just curious to see what what made them feel isolated and what yeah I think one of the things was pretty much because we have in our community we have such a diverse people we have people from Pakistan we have people from Palestine and we have people from Syria or we have people from Somalia and then we have the people from different parts of the you know the world in our community which is subhanAllah like you know, from the outside you, you know of course you'll be impressed by it you have such a diverse community and we're not perfect community you know by large but of course we always trying to work together and try to feel you know make sure everyone is inclusive however that's the problem the problem is that when you have that diversity instead of you would think in, in your perfect world you would have like everybody would interact with each other like you would get to know others culture and stuff like that but that's not what i saw it's happening it's pretty much every people like every diverse like every diverse like if someone from palestinian they will be you know in their own circle and you have syrian will be in their own circle somalian in their in their own circle so you know you have that so then when you have african-american like what would they fit what would they fit on those in that circle like our faith teaches us doesn't teach us you know to prioritize our culture first rather it's the faith itself should bring everyone you, you like as one as a muslim that's what we have we are one muslim like there is no pakistani muslim or anything we are one like one muslim one ummah, a nation that should be our uniform and then our culture becomes secondary right but the unity should be through islam so but that's not what's happening so like i mentioned we have different subgroup we have like you know like i mentioned different groups then when you have african-american and sometimes you know when that happened like you know of course they would speak arabic you know or urdu from pakistan or indian or or you know somalian or you know and different languages when african-american come or even myself when i come like of course they speak in different languages so like that's that doesn't promote any inclusion in our community so that that's one of the reasons why they feel one is that they they don't belong there right 
And secondly, is that we didn't do a lot of out- outreach enough to check on the converts, you know, or if any new African-American moved to our community, we didn't reach out, we didn't embrace them as we should have. And I'm trying to go through, through the list if I can find it. But there was, I mean, Mahmoud, when you have the, you know, interview with him, he would actually go in detail. And that's, those are, I've actually heard those things from him as well. And then school in part as well, like we have school, Sunday school, and I, don't, I did not see any African American children to be like included in that school. So we need to make an effort to make sure they're included in there. So like in every aspect of anything we can think of is they feel isolated because of the cultural differences that we have. And that again, we have diverse people in our community. If somebody's thinking of an action item that's listening to this, you were mentioning that one thing that we can do is diversify our social gatherings and include those people in our social gatherings and invite them to whatever Muslim gathering that you are that you have to include them and not always stay within your circle or within your same ethnicity. Branch out and invite different people of all races, but especially including Black Muslims in those gatherings and make them feel included as well. Is that something you would agree with? I guess what I took from you is that's one thing that would help them feel more included. Yeah, exactly. First thing we need to go to, go back to, you know, basic. One thing that I've, you know, I've always talked about is that going to the basic. We all come from one source. We only have, we all have one father. That is Adam, right? May peace be upon him. So all of us were created. All of us came from Adam. Allah created all of us. So he, and then that means that we are one human family, right? And that family it should have been more stronger within our Muslim community because we all believe in, you know, in God and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and then we all are heading, you know, the same path. And then we all should have just seen the individual as a as God's creation, you know, creation, not something else, right? So we have to go back to the basic first. And then secondly, like you mentioned, is that to make sure that we educate ourselves on the African-American history, what they went through, right? So they sometime, you know, when they convert to Islam or when they find a community like that, they just want to join. They just want a part of it and feel embraced. But when we actually not stretch our arm to, to them, that's, that's something that, you know, should not have happened. But like I said, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, I know we feel comfortable with our own people, but we need to extend our arm to at least, you know, when we see someone that is not, you know, doesn't actually in this case, doesn't have to be African-American. I mean, anybody that we see familiar face, a new face, we need to approach that person, ask him, you know, you know, where are you from? You know, why, you know, are you here new in this Evansville? Give them your phone number and, and talk to them. Tell them, hey, if you need help, I'm here for you. Right. And then that by itself, it, that means a lot to them when when you do that especially to african-american community and then and I've, I've actually i've taken such step before as well and i can see the difference they have made on some of them and it's up to us like i said to start with that and and to invite them to our houses i remember she was you know one of the african-american lady was saying that we you know we all came from a different you know country and we all have history she said that we want to learn your, your your culture, your history as well, what you went through. And some of you that went through back home is similar to what we went. You know, they are willing to learn. They're willing to, 
understand each other and embrace each other. They want to take that step, but that we have, you know, we have some prejudice sometimes, bias, you know, bias. We need to break that. We need to break that barrier by going back to the basics, understanding that all of us, God's creation, and we're going to be us rejecting who they are or what we perceive them to be. It's one of like, I would say it's disobeying God by itself because that's Allah's creation and God's creation. And we should be, we should dignify that person. We should respect that person. We should embrace them. We should, you know, love things for them as if we love for ourselves. So just like how we would treat someone from our culture and we should treat the same, we should give the same treatment to the African-American or any other stranger. I totally agree that everybody was created the same from God and we should have equal treatment for everybody. And a lot of the times people's prejudice or bias is in the way. I guess, do you feel like you know where that stems from? Like the prejudice or bias maybe somebody has faced towards you or other black Muslims. And how do you counteract that? Like I know you mentioned you may have not experienced much here, but you were a part of other Muslim communities. So have you ever experienced prejudice and bias even in non-Muslim spaces? either. I know you mentioned you face subtle microaggressions from people. So how do you counteract that? How do you, do you react and try to change people's minds about this? And ha- have you been successful in changing people's minds? I mean, it's very frustrating when you see that. And sometimes it happens, me being as a Muslim, African-American, you know, Muslim, it happens as well. Like, you know, they just tell you right you know, in front of your face, like you know, what they think about, you know, about Muslim in general, right? And then, of course, there is that and there is you being black at the same time. So for me, I mean, earlier on, I used to get frustrated. I was like, okay, what's happening? Why, why are they acting this way? Why are they talking this way? But then I start thinking, I said, these people just need to be educated, right? So they need to be educated and, you know, on who we are, like, you know, as a Muslim or as a, as a black person. So like, they should not see my skin color. They should see my personality, my character. And it's, you know, that, you know, they should not judge book by its cover. And again, this, I mean, this comes from obviously from the systemic racism that is portrayed in the movies and how they, of course, they present African-American in that movie, right? As someone, you know, like, you know, as a gangster or thugs. And so the more they bring it there, the more people would think, oh, African-American are like this. The same thing similar with Muslim. You know, in the media, they saw Muslim as a terrorist. Guess what? People didn't take a step to think for themselves, but rather they take it as, as, in, as, a, as a face value, as it says, oh, they assumed, oh, uh, no, this, you know, most, all Muslims are terrorists. So you have those things, like, you know, uh, and so, and then again, like, you know, this social media, social media or movie and shows and music and all that, like, if we, those are the things that we get our information from. And that's how our brain absorbs those things. And then just without any consciously, like, you will start thinking and perceiving what, like, and start associating, like, Muslim with a terrorist and African-American with someone that is not, you know, that's not educated, you know? So that's, you know, that's where I start thinking of. Uh, in terms of approaching any issue that I faced in the past. And I try to, you know, educate them. One, and I see it as an, an opportunity, especially if they raise something about Islam. And subhanAllah, I've actually, I've seen some, like, you know, some change on, you know, there's some reaction that was very positive. They're like, oh, wow, we did not know that. I did not know, uh, you know, Islam condemned, you know, terrorists. And I did not know that in your book, God says that if you kill one life, as if you kill the entire humanity, or if you save one life, you say as if you save the entire humanity. So that their perception changed. So that gives me the motivation. Of course, I'm going to ex- encounter some ignorance, right? But there's nothing I can do. 
to, to, to change their view. But I, I do my best every time I, I encounter such, whether there's biases, prejudice, or discrimination, I do my best trying to educate them. Otherwise, if I don't do anything, that's going to continue. So somehow, at least some of us has to be there to correct them, like, you know, and to, to explain them, to clarify things for them. And that's how I try. I always try to, when I see a problem, try to find a solution for it. So I'm trying to unpack like everything that you told me. So I know you were saying that you feel, it seems like you feel like an obligation to educate. Do you feel like it gets tiring educating? Because there's so much knowledge that's very accessible to all people. So there comes to a point where you can't always be that person's savior, where like you allow their ignorance to go under the bus, I guess. Because you were also mentioning that a lot of times you used to get frustrated, but now you come to a point of toleration. Is that correct? Am, am I skewing your words i just want to make sure i'm understanding correctly yeah that's at the, at the personal level when i encounter in my personal level but you know when it comes to community what's happening it cannot be tolerated obviously that's why i'm like strongly supportive of the protesters that's you know they're you know they're making a huge impact and huge change look what happened just in a matter of two weeks so many things had changed i'm all for that certainly if i had the opportunity i would actually even go to the street I'll certainly protest and make changes, demand changes. And another thing, what I was actually trying to say is that we have to stand up for justice, you know, just, you know, stand up for the truth and hold the leaders accountable at the local level, you know, at the state level, at the nation level. If we continue, you know, I'm not like, I, was, I wasn't trying to imply that we have to tolerate, but I'm just saying like, we have to take action to hold these people accountable. Not only edu- when I talk about education, it was just mainly the people that I encounter on a day-to-day basis. However, but the ignorant one, as far as the ignorant one, certainly you have to stand up. For, you know, you have to involve being like in the community, whether it's from like you know your circle community, like for example, Islamic community. You know, to start making changes, right? From then, that would start from the leadership. So, okay, we need to educate ourselves. We need to make impact. We need to change this, right? So we have to kind of stand up for that. And then the, like a local government, and that, that's when you need to kind of also be involved and you need to elect someone that would actually inspire and and, and, and then that would actually bring about changes into the systemic racism that's happening, right? So that's how it's going to pretty much, it will go, it's like a ripple effect. So like I said, what I shared, just to repeat it, is from personal level that I have experienced in the past, right? So that's how I deal with it at the personal level, one-on-one. But then when it comes to like community-wide, that's a different story. Obviously, you try to do your best to educate, but if people don't, they don't put the effort to educate themselves, that's when you, you know, start, you know, standing up for yourself or for others, you know, for justice and then trying to make an impact. And by being involved on those, you know, whether it's committee or whether it's in, in local government, try to influence change in the system. So that when that happens, when we start influencing changes in, in those core systems, then the whole thing can change and the systemic racism can start fade away. I know you were talking about the media too and how they skew people's perceptions of certain groups of people, including Black people, in their perception of them being dangerous or being viewed as gangsters or thugs. So how do you think the media can change that narrative? What can they do to shift it? Like, what can they include more, I guess? I think I've seen, okay, so before I jump on that one, 
I just want to say that you would uh, most of the thing that I've said so far, you, you would also you would hear much like you know more better solution from also from our, our African American community. You know, I'm not in any way you know try to represent them. They're feeling now want their feeling to be heard as well. I would certainly learn from them as well. I just want to you know <laughs> clear that for, for, from the air. But yeah, so going back to what you just asked me, I think uh, I've I've seen a lot of uh, black actors. They start, you know, having their own production, movie production company. They start changing that perception slowly, but it's just very subtle. Like there's, I would say they're too small to completely change everything. I just think that they need to. They should. It's really really hard to answer that question because it's such a huge issue in the Hollywood industry itself. But I think they have to start some way, especially they should learn from what just happened and they should learn trying to promote whether it's you know whenever they you know produce any movie they should promote not any anything has to do with access like any systemic racism that's happened rather they should give an equal opportunity for you know white person and you know or black person and they should whenever i'm trying to say is that any message they try to send through shows or or movies they should make it more inclusive make, make it making sure that they promote harmony that you know regardless what skin color you are like you know it's you know you are human being you're one family you're not any different and i'm not a movie person and, and i don't watch much movie shows i used to but that's what i i would hope if they have such a movie that has such positive message i would i would jump on it and start watching as well but we don't want to so show a movie or you know show that would you know that would show certain people differently like mexican african-american they have to get rid of that part i think it has to start from there because most of us uh, intake our information from our TV all the time and nowhere always news media as well. So I think the, the change has to happen from there. And I hope that the, what the movement that's happening that will, you know, change on how they produce movie or on how they send, uh, they, they, they send message, uh, you know, through those outlets. Yeah, I totally agree that a lot of the times the best people that can tell their stories are the people that are facing them so like the creation of you know production companies by black people they're truly the ones that can identify their stories so i think that's definitely effective method and it will take time but it's always good to encourage change so i know we mentioned many of the lives lost earlier including george floyd and brianna taylor and ahmed arbery and i know ahmed arbery was also black and muslim so when you heard that story specifically and exactly what happened did you feel like that could have been you or like maybe something that i don't know if you go run outside but all these people that have been killed have been doing regular things that everybody have been doing whether going to a grocery store or driving a car or even as simple as carrying a bag of skittles home anything is considered threatening have you seen people feel threatened from you by doing very normal things that everybody else was doing around you i think do i feel like how they felt uh, how what happened to them like it might happen to me yes i certainly feel that you know i certainly feel uh you know because you know like you just never know you know this person like the only thing this is that he's black and that's it and that's when they took action to kill that person right so like and then i have you know i'm i'm black and that also could happen to me as well 
course, feel that sometimes. And it's sad to have that feeling to look over your shoulder. But I, uh, I you know, my faith keeps me strong. And I, you know, of course, seek protection only from God when it comes to this. So, and it's really like, you know, I'm human being, of course, I feel it. And it's really sad that, you know, one has to feel this way all the time. Not, I don't feel all the time, but if, especially recently, it's just, you know, it keep going in my head. This could have been me. And, and it, it's such a scary situation. But ultimately, like I mentioned earlier, that we are thought to only fear God, not a human being. And while we can, while we have the opportunity, we try to make changes to change those things, those perceptions and, and then stuff. And I appreciate your insight in keeping your faith strong and over in order for you to get through this time and ultimately leading it to them and and not necessarily. I know when we were talking earlier, you were mentioning how you're very much supportive of all the efforts that are going on right now regarding protesting and how so so much change has already came about from from this. Do you feel like now more than ever, more people are supporting the Black Lives Matter movement? And do you think that this is what happened to many of these individuals recently really pushed it to grow? Or has this been really years of this movement and finally people have hit the breaking point and start stuff started escalating now? I think certainly did, you know, did many people start reacting more, reaction, reacting more now? Yes, but certainly this has been built built up you know for a long time. So this was a breaking that people start, now they like see it. Imagine like, this is not what we see so far that people has been murdered that we, we that, that was caught on the camera and social media those are the people of course we know of there are so many that you know that was murdered that was never been recorded so i mean there's so many you know so many people that die you know because of racism so certainly yeah definitely it's been built up and and now of course more people they uh, you know they start supporting it they try to make sense of it it was now it's plain and clear i feel like because of that i mean the, the reason why it's that now it's clear a lot of supporting joined the movement including the popular brands like nike and any other like adidas and other companies even youtube and google they try to support this movement now which they should have done in the past but of course now it's more clear and, and it's been happening for a long time and now it's just a breaking point and it has to stop so it, hopefully that moment that we have that momentum that we have now that the amount of people are supporting they will continue to fight for it until we completely eradicate this systemic racism and i felt like it was very interesting you mentioned how a lot of companies started to get on board with this movement at this time versus from years in years of systemic racism in this movement going on i'm just curious do you think like looking at it as a black person, do you think a lot of these companies are genuinely doing it because they're in support of it or are they using it as a marketing ploy? It's, honestly, it's hard. I thought I had that thought as well. Uh, you know, I would say, I mean, why not? Like, why now? Why not before? And that's the question I've always asked. Like, why can why they couldn't support it before? Why now all of a sudden they want to do it? So like those, you know, that question about the intention, you know, I wasn't sure, but I just that they will continue not just, you know, support and post stuff just to, you know, gain profits. Rather, they should be consistent with it. If they start now, and it hopefully will not, something like what happened now will not happen in the future, but they have to be continuously supportive of the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, so yeah, they have to be supportive of that and they have to be part of the change and, and do they what they can to prove themselves that they're going to be very consistent. They need to also support financially, give platform to African-Americans you know those who are like you know who are athletes they have to give them the, the platform 
you know, to be able to make those changes impact, you know, the, the national level. So I feel like they have to follow through now. Cannot just pinpoint their intention at the moment, but the question I always ask is that why, why now, why not before? Uh, some of them, they might have, they might be doing it, you know, for, you know, to gain some profits, but, you know, but I would say is that they have to now stick with it and then they have to make sure they support and provide platform and financially support to the movement. And, uh, and that's what I would like to see going forward. And from pretty much every human being in any company, in whatever sex is there. Yeah, I agree. I think we never can really know what their intention. Just hope they continue these efforts. Like it wasn't temporary that there was this upheaval about all of this. And then it suddenly people don't care about it anymore after it's considered quote unquote old news so that they continue those efforts for the, for the long run. So we are able to pursue some change or a lot of change for our black community in america and honestly around the world i'm I'm sure in other countries as well the treatment is is very awful so i i really appreciate you coming on and having this conversation i really want to make this a series of ongoing conversations and i feel like now with my platform i have a i have a duty and to black people a voice and give them the opportunity to share their stories and i know in the past i may have focused on a lot of people who were from overseas or from other countries and we have a lot of issues that are going on in America and I really do want to focus on those people and those communities in in black people and I hope to have a series of other podcasts as well with other people and I really do appreciate you getting on and telling your story I know you're only one person so you can't collectively tell a story of all people, but I appreciate you telling your story and your graciousness to allow me to share it. It it really is an honor to be able to have you on and talk about it and have people reflect within Muslim communities and non-Muslim communities what we can do better and our privileges. I know a lot of us, a lot of minorities face different things, but ultimately a lot of the times ours is not ingrained in our skin. So yes, I do really appreciate it. And I, I really do think this was like an honor to have you on and talk about it. And I don't know if you want to leave us with some lasting words, what we can do better. I know we were talking about this the whole time, what we can do better for African-American Muslims in our communities. But what do you think in general, like we should do? What do you hope for Black people in Muslim spaces? And what do you hope will happen in America? Are you fearful that the momentum will go down and this will no longer be something that people are looking to improve? Well, I really appreciate you having me, Summer. It's been a pleasure uh, to be in your part. You know, I'm very, it's, it's amazing what you're doing as well and giving voice and giving platform, you know, giving platform for people to share their voice. And it's such incredible things you're doing. Uh, it's such a incredible organization you have a cultural communication but uh so what i want to say is that you know it has to start from ourselves you know it has to start from ourselves we have to take inventory of our actions and how we think about what uh, you know other people because sometimes I mean, nobody would know our thoughts but we know ourselves more than anybody else so that has to change has to start within us right for us, uh, and speaking of the muslim community we all know what our faith you know teaches us so we, each one of us have a duty to reflect on ourselves and to ask 
ask, you know, to ask if what we're doing and how we are treating other people is what if God will be pleased. So that's something that we have to ask. But then from there, we have to do anything we can to, you know, when we see someone at the personal level, just, you know, hug them and embrace them and talk to them, exchange phone number, take them, take them out for coffee. So that those small things makes huge difference. It doesn't have to be changed at the community level. That happens when those small changes happen, right? So I would say is that we have to go out of our way to help and just, you know, just approach them and speak to them and talk to them and just try to understand their story. And so that's one of the things that we, we should try to change at the personal level and trying to approach others as well when we see them, especially our African-American community, which they should feel home. They should feel like, you know, they're inclusive parts of the community. So in terms of the, I want to share what we have been doing so far. You know, we, although we were a bit late to react, but there's so many background that work, the different committee is trying to do and which we should have started a long time ago, but most of us just learn what, what our African-American are going through. So we start trying to make changes and there's another committee, like I mentioned earlier, African-American committee, and we are working together to make changes at the community level. And uh, we are working together with the board directors at the Islamic Society of Evansville to, to make those changes at the community level to make sure that they feel inclusive. And yeah, I feel like I, there should not be any segregation. They should not feel, you know, they need to go somewhere. No, that has to change. The entire culture, again, our faith comes first, Islam comes first, and culture comes secondary. So we have to make sure, I just want to leave you with this, that doing our prophet, uh, peace be upon him, Muhammad Sallallahu he, when he migrated with uh, Muhajirin, migrated, the immigrants migrated to Medina, the Ansar, the helpers, they embraced, right? They did not see their, their from different culture or from different, you know, from different city. They embraced them. They see them as if they were their bro- brothers. And that was as a result of them having faith because during that time, there was a tribal issue. There was a lot of division. Because of the Islam or their faith, they, they became like as a, they have a blood relationship. So they were bonded. So that's something that I would hope for our community to, to achieve as well and every person in our community who's in whatever capacity they are they should do what they can because those are blessings from god they should do what they can to influence changes and to help to make sure they treat everybody equal and i think that's a very good lasting message for everybody that's listening to this episode educate yourselves first start expanding your circles and including different people including african-american black muslims and the only way you're going to really learn is if you include those people but don't expect them them to also educate you because they've been educating for years and and frankly they're probably tired of it so you educate yourselves and start including those people in your spaces make them feel welcome make them not feel excluded because end of the day we're all human we all want interaction and we all want to feel welcomed and not excluded and so I think that's definitely a lasting message and I really want to thank you again and I want to continue this conversation going and continue sharing other people's stories because everybody has a story that needs to be told and I hope to provide that platform for them. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Summer. And anything we can help, please let me know. I would love to be part of this great cause. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I definitely want to get more Black voices on here. So if you have people that are willing to share their story and want a platform to do it, I'm always here to talk. Sure, I'll certainly let you know. I know some and certainly we'll make sure they reach out to you as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you so much and thank for taking time out of your evening to discuss this very heavy topic. I know it's not 
something that people are always willing to hear, but sometimes you just have, have to lay it down and, and speak the truth sometimes because this has been going on forever and we, we can't sugarcoat it anymore. I completely agree. I couldn't agree more. We have to, you know, speak the truth all the time for the change to happen, certainly. Well, thank you so much again, Hussein, and have a great evening and look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. You too. Before we end this episode, I wanted to give the audience some tangible things that they can do in order to support the Black Lives Matter movement. One thing that you could physically do is show solidarity and support at local protests and rallies. Make sure though when you do go that you are social distancing and that you are wearing your masks. And if that's something you're very fearful of, I've seen online rallies organized as well. Other tangible things that you can do online if you prefer to stay within your homes is Sign petitions, donate money or resources if you have the funds, show solidarity and support even on social media by reposting and educating yourself. There are so many good accounts to follow that keep you up to date with news and other resources. I would really suggest Sean King and Color of Change. Another thing that you can do is show support to small locally owned black businesses you could reach out to people that you know and just to make sure that they're doing okay. Another thing I would do is just make sure to educate yourself. There are so many books, movies, resources. I would suggest White Privilege by D'Angelo. I would also suggest a lot of movies such as The 13th, which is a documentary on Netflix. And if you don't have any streaming services right now in the month of June, they're actually offering Just Mercy online for free for everyone. And so that's definitely something that you can do. And you can also just stir up conversations within your family and friends and communities and just to talk about this and to kind of look within deep yourself to look at your racial prejudices and your microaggressions and to dive deep and see what you can do better.